So today, if you was with me, turn your attention to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. First Kings chapter eleven. In First Kings chapter eleven, we want to make our verse of emphasis in this chapter, verse eleven. Verse 11 in 1 Kings chapter 11 reads as follows. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. And if you would go with me at this time now to 2 Chronicles chapter 36. 2 Chronicles chapter 36. In 2 Chronicles chapter 36, I'm going to read a portion of the text at which we want to emphasize on today, and that will be verses 18 and 19. 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verses 18 and 19. It reads as follows, And all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his leaders, and all these he took to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all his palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious possessions. I, I want you to, to put a marker on the words, burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. This morning, saints of God, this afternoon as well, I want to talk to you from the thought Building up where we have been broken down. Building up where we have been broken down. As I said at the outset, that this is, I would call the backdrop, the historical background, the, the introduction to a series of sermons that I believe are apropos or appropriate for the times that we 
than which we live. I, I don't know about you, but those of us that have lived a little while on earth, amen, can say that we see a lack of leadership in our world. We see a lack of leadership not only on the governmental level, but we see a lack of leadership even within the house of God. But as I read my Bible and look at the narratives that are found in the scriptures, God continues to be more concerned about leadership within than leadership without. Because what we find when there's leadership within, by consequence there's leadership without. Amen. As the word of God says, judgment starts at the household of faith. And so this this series of lessons on leadership and the, the need for leadership is not amplified until you look at the nation of Israel when they lost their leadership. When we see where they came from and where they went, amen, we see that even in our lives today, we have parallels that go alongside what happened with the nation of Israel. Whether it's on a microcosm level in our families or houses, or is it in our churches, or even in our nation. Amen. There are parallels with the kingdom of Israel. When we look at our text in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 11, the Lord says to Solomon, because you have done this, well, we, in the context of this, what did Solomon do? Well, first of all, we must set a historical context as well for the nation of Israel. God made a promise to Abraham, amen, that he would make him a father of many nations, but out of him he would create a great nation, amen. And through this nation, the covenant said all nations would be blessed. Therefore, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, amen, comes Israel, the God's chosen people who were set apart to be a beacon of light, of hope to a dark and dismal world. As long as they walked in the statutes of God, as long as they were obedient to God, then they showed forth to the world what it was like to be citizens of the kingdom of God. They were his representatives into the world, that he would draw men, women, boys, and girls unto him. But a problem erupted, amen. God blessed them because they were obedient, amen. There was a time when they had great success, amen, under the leadership of Saul, then to David, and then to David's son, Solomon. But even during those times of great success, they had military power and they had a great time of comfort and a feeling of confidence in being safe under the leadership of David. But sin was already crouching at the door. Saul had already sinned against God when he tried to act in a role that he had no business operating in. He was supposed to operate in the role of king, but he tried to operate in the role of priest. First problem right there, God is a God of order. 
So a problem erupted there, but God was faithful and he looked down through a, a, a group of children, amen, to the most unlikely candidate, a little boy that was out keeping the lamb, out keeping the flock. His name was David. God called him using the prophet Samuel to call him out, amen. He became a great leader, not because of his statue, but because of his trust in a big God. There was a big Goliath, a big enemy from the Philistines, amen, that David said this uncircumcised Philistine, how will he talk against the armies of God? Who is he? He had confidence that God would bring them victory because he knew who he was and whom, in whom he was, amen. So David grew to be a great leader and then during those times of prosperity, Israel did so well. But even that great king, he, he transgressed against the law of God by having, committing adultery with Bathsheba and committing murder by having her husband put out on the lines and actually being executed. Amen. So sin was out the door. They were still prosperous. Amen. They were still doing well, but decay had set in. It was ever so slight. Amen. So they didn't really see it coming in yet, but it was already on its way. God was calling up and counting up at that moment. Then David's son took over, Solomon. He gave Solomon more wisdom than any man had ever had. There's none that had more wisdom than Solomon. Not before him, not during his time, nor has there been anyone since has the wisdom of Solomon. But even with all of that wisdom, amen, the issue of sin kept knocking at the door. God told Solomon, don't bring in these outside wives. Don't bring in these people from other nations and because they will pollute my people. But Solomon disobeyed God and married wives from other places and they brought in their idolatrous worship. Solomon did not cause them to, 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 to eradicate this idolatrous worship, but he allowed it to mingle in with his people. And it carried his people away from God to other gods. But if you know your Bible, you know that God is a jealous God. And he will have no other gods before him. Amen. So here is in the context where God says to Solomon, because you have done this, because you have let idols come into my people and carry them away to the other gods, I'm going to rip the kingdom from your hands. I'm going to rip the kingdom from your hands, not because I don't love you, Solomon. I love you just like I've always loved you, but I'm just. I'm just, I still, my justice has got to have its way. Amen. So judgment came to the household of Israel because of the sins of the fathers, because of the sins of the leadership. So we find here in the text that he said, you haven't kept my covenant and my statutes and which I've commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servants. Undoubtedly, Solomon, like we will in times of great wealth and of times of material prosperity and comfort, 
think God is playing. Uh, we think that because we get away with one sin or another, amen, that God is winking his eye at sin and nothing is going to happen. We can carry out things the way that our flesh desires and it's going to be all right. Because, I mean, after all, God knows our hearts. <laughs> uh, but what we find out is that, yes, he does know our heart, and that is an indictment. Amen. Just because God knows our hearts does not mean that we have a license to sin. Amen. Because God, through Jesus Christ, has prepared a way out of that situation. And so it is an affront to God to do anything and everything we want to do and let grace be a license to sin. So God judged the nation of Israel, tore it out of the hands of his king, Solomon. So when Solomon passed off the scene, amen, his son, Rehoboam, took over leadership. Rehoboam was a, a very arrogant king. He was very in his own way. He was a young king and he did not respect nor did he value the wisdom of the fathers. He didn't value the wisdom of those who were older than him that knew a little more, had been through some things. Amen. So he decided to do things according to his contemporaries and his way. And it resulted in a split of the kingdom. That's where the split came in. That's where we ended up with the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern king called, kingdom called Judah. This was not a good thing because these are family members. Are oh, y'all watching me? These are folk who come from the same bloodline, but now they are enemies of one another. The northern kingdom didn't care anything about the southern, nor did the southern care about the northern kingdom. They were so upset with one another that the northern kingdom established new places of worship. God never authorized or, or, or allowed them to have their own place of worship in the northern kingdom. He set forth Jerusalem. And he didn't change that because the kingdom split. So idolatry started to increase in the northern kingdom, but don't leave out the southern kingdom. They were no better. They were also following after strange gods. And so it came as time went on, amen, that in, in 722 BC, God decided to judge the northern kingdom. So he sent in the nation of Assyria to eradicate the northern kingdom, that the northern kingdom would never exist again. When you listen to them words, you must also bring that to a contemporary context to realize that there are churches today that now cease to exist because of idolatry and disobedience to God. Wow. Not where they just chastise and discipline, but they were put out of business. And the thing is, you don't know which way God is going with this because God doesn't consult us as it relates to his judgment. So we must always be on our P's and Q's about making sure that we are right with the Lord. But then the southern kingdom, they may have gotten a little arrogant after they barely survived that 
eradication of the northern kingdom themselves. Assyria was coming after them as well. But God's grace stepped in and stopped Assyria from eradicating Judah as well. So Judah went on, but, but yet Judah still stayed arrogant and stayed treacherous and, and stayed idolatrous as it related to the Lord. And just a few years, amen, it may have been 100, it may have been 120, but by 586 B.C., God sent another pagan nation called Babylon to take away those who were in the southern kingdom and exile them to Babylon. That's how we find ourselves over here in 2 Chronicles chapter 36. Because in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, we find in all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of the leaders, all these were took to Babylon. Babylon represents a place of idolatry, a place that was ungodly. And here are the people who were set apart to be God's people are now enslaved to an ungodly nation. Well. Not so far in their distant past, amen. Amen, as it relates overall, relatively, they were caught up in Egypt. They were in a land of idols and under bondage as slaves to a wicked taskmaster and they did not have their own place of worship. But here they find themselves in Babylon because of their disobedience. They have now been carried off. But the text also says some of them didn't make it. Some of them was killed. They never made it to Babylon. But God is faithful. God was able to keep a remnant together, amen, even in Babylon. So when we look at our churches today, amen, that has fallen from, from idolatry and disobedience to God, amen, from conflict and things that God is not happy with, we find some that have gone through splits. God still keeps a remnant. I myself have gone through a church split before. Uh, not a pretty sight, amen. There's some very ugly things that Christian folks say about one another Amen. when they're going through a church split. Uh, the, the, the church that, that went through that church split that I used to go to in Texas, amen, they have rebuilt their buildings, they have gotten that, but the church has never become what it once was. Amen. But I believe, amen, God will be showing us in this series of lessons, amen, he doesn't intend for them to be what they once were, but he still has a future for them. Amen. And that is the same way with other churches, amen, that have gone through these kinds of problems and God has established a remnant that everybody wasn't eradicated, that some were still there that God wants to use to do a new thing. Amen. All these articles and all these precious things were taken away and then, then they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. Our, our, our theme, our, our subject of this lesson is about the burning of God's house and the tearing down of the walls. Saints of God, we're living right now in a time when the house of God has been burned. 
We're living in a time where we know people ourselves today that have been in our midst, amen, that have been burned. Or for one sin or another, whether it was of arrogance or idolatry, amen, it was being of selfishness, but folks have been burned, amen, and have gone to various places. Some have gone to other churches, maybe some are just gone to Pillow Baptist, amen. They're not going anywhere, amen. And the wall of Jerusalem had been torn down, the wall. The wall, the wall, the wall represented to Jerusalem what our lives represent to God. The walls of our lives have been torn down, amen, for one reason or another, as the walls were of Jerusalem. Jerusalem had gotten caught up in idolatry and God had to judge them. Sometimes we get caught up in idolatry. We get caught up in our own thing. We get caught up in, well, I, you know, I, I don't want to serve God that much because I've got some other things I need to do. Sometimes it's more benign, like, well, you know, I got so many things on my schedule. Amen. I don't have time to do these things for God. Well, maybe after a while, maybe after I get done with this and that, I can serve the Lord. But nowhere in the Bible did God say that it was all right to put him on the back burner while you do things that you think are right. But he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. I'm just introducing up this this whole series of lessons as it relates to leadership. But there's some things you have to consider first, right? You have to start to look at some things in order to be the kind of leader that God is calling for. The pastor and the preachers are not the only leaders. The the pastor and the associate minister sitting here, we're not the only leaders, amen. The youth leader, amen, is not the only leader. The secretary, the finance team are not the only leaders. Actually, everybody in here is a leader. In some fashion, no matter how old or how young, you are an influencer to somebody else. And when you know better, you ought to do better, right? So this text is setting us up to start to dig and to find out what does biblical leadership look like? What is God really calling us to do? And where are we falling down? Where have the walls of our lives? been broken down right where is it that we're not functioning as God has called us to be because if we don't get back on track amen God will have to judge amen amen but we want to get back and start the rebuilding of the walls amen so that God may not do things just as he did once in the past but a new thing that's pleasing to him I'm not so concerned about yesterday, but I am concerned about tomorrow. There's nothing I can do about yesterday, but there is something I can do about tomorrow. I can start today doing right about the Lord today to bring about a better tomorrow. Amen. Amen. If God so chooses to give us another day, it starts with today. It starts with the decisions that we make in our minds. Amen. Do we make the decision to go Solomon's way at the end of his life? Or do we decide that we're going to be faithful unto God? Wow. 
Are we going to be a Hezekiah in our day? Are we going to be a Josiah in our day? Are we going to be one of those who stay the course? Amen. Because God wants to do something great in his remnants. He wants to continue to use those who are few in numbers to confound the wisdom of the world. God wants to use New Zion to do something that will confound the things of the world. Because we don't do things in our own power anyway. We don't do things according to our own resources, but we do things according to that which God gives us. So when we look at our text and we come to a close in this introduction today, let's look at verses 20 through 23 in 2 Chronicles 36. It says, And those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants, to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia. Let's skip down to verses 22 and 23. Now in the year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you all his people. He asked that question. May the Lord his God be with him and let him go When disarray and when decay occurs within a body of Christ, an assembly, amen, it does not mean that God is through with them yet. By all intents and purposes that the children of Israel being exiled to Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar and his wicked son could have said God is done with us, throwed in the towel and said it's over. But God sent a word to his people by the prophet Jeremiah to let them know, no, I'm not done with you yet. And New Zion, God is not done with us yet either. We may not be as big as we once were, but that does not mean that God does not have a new thing for us. This is not a time to throw in the towel and say, well, I'll just do what I can. I'll just kind of make it. No. It's a time to seek the Lord to see what new thing God wants to do through us. I am never forgetful about the words, and you ought not be either, when the Lord says in his word that one can send a thousand and two ten thousand a flight. It does not take large numbers to do great things for the Lord. The devil wants you to believe you got to have a throng of folks. You got to have a hundred, ten thousand, or whatever, some great number. No, you just need a few dedicated folks who believe in a God that's got all power in his hand. And believe even when things look down and they don't look like they're going nowhere, God's not through. And God doesn't always consult us in what he is doing, but yet he is still moving. I believe that God is working because he's speaking into the spirit. God still is bringing about folks who care about his word, 
care about his business. Amen. And New Zion, we are in a critical place. We're in a critical place in a lead, to be leaders in a community. If just in this community of a community without leadership. We got the world in this community trying to do certain things, but we need Christian leadership. We need biblical leadership in this community. If this community is going to be all it's going to be, it can't be changed from the outside in. It's got to be changed from the inside out. Because after you build new buildings and whitewash things and plant flowers, if the spirits of the people are still not right, it's going back the wrong direction all over again. But that's where you and I come in at. We have the keys to the kingdom. We are those who can work from the inside out. But don't throw up your hands right now. It's just the beginning. Seek the Lord and to see where God is wanting to use you to affect this community so that God gets all the glory. There is a great work in this community. When I go around in this community alone, I mean, folks are fussing and arguing and parents are throwing up their hands and kids are running over parents just right here. Drug houses and homelessness, we got so much opportunity. This is not a time to say, oh, I can't do nothing. Oh, it's over. No, this is the time to roll up our sleeves and say, let's do it. Because we serve a God that can do it. Amen. Amen. And so today, as I close here, today I just want to encourage us, saints, to be in prayer and to get a mind to do the work. Because God has us positioned to do a great work right here. And I believe God, if we'll just trust Him, we'll just depend on Him, and we will just allow Him to be God in our lives, we're going to see some great things. It won't look maybe like the fans that you get from uh, Ely's funeral home, amen. The people on the back that look so perfect, amen. Because that's not what God is calling us to anyway. But they may be a little rugged around the side, but if they know Jesus, huh, and they're being disciples by those who know, then it's going to make all the difference. Because in the end of the day, we ain't going to have this set up no way. God's going to give us all a new setup. But we've got to make up our minds that we're going to get on board and we're going to get serious about the Lord, that we're going to make sure that we sacrifice and set apart a time in our lives to do ministry. Because ministry is on the way. I'm constantly getting letters and I'm constantly getting things that I'm going to be talking to us about as we continue in this particular set of lessons where we can get involved and really make a difference. There is so great a need. Amen. But there are very skilled and very talented and very experienced people in this church today that can make a difference in this world, not for just this time, but also for eternity. Amen? Amen. And at this time, amen, I'm going to open the doors of the church. Amen. Because we don't want to take for granted that everybody knows the Lord. We don't want to take for granted because folks have been around the church, been in the church, that they know the Savior. That they know Him in the pardoning of their sins. Right now is the time to get to know Him. Amen. For yourself. To ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. And to come and live in your heart. God says to us through the Apostle Paul, He said, if you confess your sins, he said, confess 
with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Come unto Jesus while you have time. Come